Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Cy White. Hello. Hello, and joined by Josh Brown. Hello. For a Nintendo special, there's all sorts of things doing the rounds across the rumor sites, the leak sites of the world. And the writer coming from one, Nate the Hate, who's quite a well-known leaker across the last few years, leaking all sorts of things in regards to Final Fantasy VII Remake, Last of Us 2, and they seem to have proven their credentials quite a lot across the last few years. So they've just done a write-up on the next Nintendo system. This has been, I keep saying doing the rounds, doing a lot of the rounds across the last couple of weeks. Um, but we had a write-up on this um, a couple of weeks ago, or maybe about a week or so ago, from a couple of Chinese companies, some manufacturing companies who were just they pretty much just said they were like a major Japanese company is making a video game console and it was very it's obviously Nintendo it's obviously the next system and the Nate the Hates um, write up is following up from that um, saying that developers do have dev kits which is something that various outlets have already reported as well um, and just touching on things like a late 2024 release date um, and the announcement happening after the close of the financial year which puts it at around about April next year there's a rumor doing the rounds that they'll announce it in Gamescom which would be like a first I don't think that's I don't think that's big enough personally that would be um, really so guess, soon wouldn't it yeah that would be like in a couple of weeks i just i don't think that'll be the thing but i guess you never know um and so yeah alongside that we have nate the hate saying that um some of the console specs that are out there is an eight inch lcd screen and um, which means that it's not going to be an oled like the sort of mid-generation switch one we're gonna have a 512 gigs of flash memory and um potential use of 3d nand cards rather than standard micro sd you know i barely know what a nand card is but apparently it's a it's a new thing that um the the techies will know about so there's all that stuff um that's all a preamble because we're just, we're just going to talk about Nintendo, the state of things and what the console needs to do, etc. But uh, Josh, what do you think of all this? Well, here's the thing. I'm coming at this from the point of view of very much a Nintendo casual. Like I mm. play a couple Nintendo games a year and I want to like them kind of more than I actually do. I'm not necessarily in the ecosystem. I never grew up with Nintendo and I'm kind of just trying to get into it. Um, what was I the last Switch game Switch, you played? Essentially, the last Switch game I played was Tears of the Kingdom, obviously. Okay, okay. Well, okay. that kind of proves my point because like <laughs> those are the kind of games that I'm like here for, right? It's those big releases from the most iconic franchises that Nintendo have. You know, like I'm looking forward to the next 3D Mario. I'm looking forward to the next Mario Kart, the next Zelda, you know, those marquee titles uh, that would get me in um, for a next Switch. And I really want an upgrade at this point. I've mentioned it before, but the Switch as it stands, I only have the normal version, don't have an OLED. So I'm quite eager for a technological leap, especially as Sony and Microsoft have ushered in their visions of the next generation and I've become accustomed to the likes of SSD loading and 4K mm. textures and whatnot. I know, obviously, the next Nintendo um, product won't be trying to match that or outdo it, but I kind of want a little bit more than I've got now and hopefully these specs will give me that. I um I don't I mean do either do any of us know what the 500 gig of flash memory will do I love that this I, I like the idea of steering into the fact that we're all mostly console folk anyway but um just the I was trying to Google like what's the original Switch's flash memory did it ever have it couldn't find anything in that regard but in regards to it being a general uptick in capability you have to imagine that they're aiming for some sort of um you know hardware uptick like, it has to be something that's quite meaningful there wasn't that much of a jump between the Wii and the Wii U but like because the um we have the whole PlayStation 5 Pro thing doing the rounds. There's obviously the Series X as a 
deluxe system or whatever. Um, yeah, I would kind of assume that there's some sort of tech jump in there. But Sai, what do you think? Yeah, I think it has to be because, like, at this point, they've almost sort of backed themselves into a corner in terms of gimmick. Like, you mm. can't really, unless there's something that we're not thinking of that is really clever that you can do with the Switch. Really, all people want, and Josh, as you said, is just a more powerful Switch. Mm-hmm. You can't suddenly take away the ability to go handheld and sit, sit on your sofa and do it. Like, they've combined both at-home at console and away console into one machine now. They can't undo that. So I don't know what you strap onto that that makes it unique or weird or wacky or whatever. Uh, so maybe it is for a rare instance in Nintendo history, at least in the modern day, just make a more powerful one that's got a few of extra small bells and whistles. And as you that's say, whatever a NAND card is. So <laughs> if you get a back one of those, you get free meals at Nando's. Is that how it <laughs> I would still take that. I think that, um, yeah, that's the thing. We should talk about like the gimmick side of this because nearly every Nintendo system has some sort of gimmick, even if it's just a carrying handle like the GameCube. There's always something in there <laughs> yeah. that like differentiates it a bit. And obviously the Switch was the you know the hybridization of handheld and docked and whatever. And I always think it's interesting talking to people who play uh, or have a Switch where the majority of their game time is spent mine is always docked unless i'm on a train but i know that's the opposite of at least josh brown i think you nearly always plays your play yours handheld Sire, are you a handheld or a dock I, person i'm mostly docked actually yeah but yes. then recently i've been playing at handheld more just sort of whatever but uh yeah, I'm. It's weird. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just got a slightly sad, slight tangent. But like Jossie, mm-hmm. you said you consider yourself a Nintendo casual. I consider myself a Nintendo fan, but I basically play the same games that you do. <laughs> I don't use it that well because Scott, when you said how do you play your Switch the most or where's your game time spent most, my answer was not the Switch. Like I, I love the machine, but I don't play it all that much. Every other console. I, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like we'll get to all this stuff in terms of like how much the third party stuff exploded across Switch because I think the Wii U quite like, had a few titles like that, especially at launch. Like it had. Arcade origins or whatever and there were things yes. like that but i feel like the the switch really blew up as like the indie machine like it was it had there's yes. nearly always a switch version of a pc game as opposed to things that nearly always came to playstation or xbox and um, we can get back around to that i think like the whole the gimmicky side of it how much of that do you want do you think that they need to do something again like it's that for me i think it's maybe using like the um the galaxy flip like bendy glass stuff and maybe you have like a tablet that like is portable or whatever we know from the rumors and um, or, the, or the nate the hate stuff that like the system is going to be portable so it seems like they're still doing some sort of hybrid thing but i'm just i'm curious what you do with it like whether like the dock is all of a sudden going to upscale more you can do 4k at home or something or that whatever is exactly where my mind went as well like maybe mm. the gimmick is in the way the hardware is handled maybe even sort of completely out there idea there is multiple different docks that you can buy that supply a different amount of power yeah. so you can play in a performance mode if you buy you know this dock or uh, you know high fidelity mode if you buy this one so mm-hmm. and maybe I'll that's buy them way. all and be disappointed <laughs> yeah. I'll, never, I'll never be happy but maybe again. that's a way that Nintendo could have more third party stuff as long as they're like it works on this version of the dock you buy your switch and you buy the dock that goes with your power needs or whatever mm-hmm. your interest maybe that's one way around it because I don't think it's going to be really out there weird stuff I think you're right I think it's going to be kind of like the original switch where it's just like oh it's a clever hardware iteration <laughs> idea yeah Josh what do you think of the, the gimmick approach I was looking forward to doing this podcast because I know I'm going to learn a lot and I've already learned a lot by Sai informing me that every sort of <laughs> Nintendo console had a gimmick. Never thought about that until that was me. right carry on. this second. Sorry, that, that, that's Scott mentioned. All those Nintendo the, fans the just blur into one, don't we? Yeah, you all do. Yeah. You all do. You and your Zeldas and your Marios <laughs> and your Docs and your Not Docs. Um, yeah, but like that's something I never, ever thought about. Like I've never come to like these... Um, consoles for the gimmick necessarily. Like now you mm. mention it, it makes a lot of sense, but I've never really thought about it in terms of what I w- what do I want to see next? How do I want to see them innovate? To me, they've kind of perfected it with the Switch because I usually play handheld, and that was surprising for me when I bought the Switch because every handheld device in gaming that I'd bought before never was never my thing. Like, I could never get into the PSP, even though I owned it. I could never get into mm. the DS, even though I owned it. There was always some drawback that I felt yeah. that the Switch, even though it's obviously those games don't look as good as they do when the platform is docked, they they managed to get parity so close that it never bothered me. It never felt like I was playing a worse version of a game or a stripped-back version, one with less features or anything like that. 
So it kind of opened the door for me in a way that now I go to Nintendo to be my handheld system. If Sony isn't really going to do it, if Microsoft isn't really going to do it, if they're focused on streaming, this is kind of where I want my... Where, where, where I want their focus to be, to give me that hybrid experience. Let me play the really high-fidelity games docked. Let me take that into my bedroom, you know? Let me take it on a train. Let me take it into work to play it on mm. lunchtime and kind of tackle experiences both on my couch and wherever. I want them to kind of maintain that. And from the rumors here, it sounds like they definitely are. Just because I play it handheld, I want to see a bit more power there. I want to see that OLED screen. I'm really pleased that it's an 8-inch screen this time. Like, the larger, the better for me. Just strap a 55-inch TV uh, next to two (laughs) controllers and call it a day if you want to. You're a VR um, fan through and through. Absolutely. (laughs) They're getting there. um, And I would really like Sai's idea of giving me options have an LCD version and have an OLED version. Have these yeah. different docks that are more powerful or less powerful. Give us those options um, if you can, because I'll always want to get the most powerful version. Yeah, definitely. That's the other thing I was going to say, because I never thought about, until now, again, like the Switch is what killed Nintendo's handheld market. Like They, they took it over with the Switch. It does both. Mm. Like The 3DS, like quote-unquote, died during the Switch's um, you know, lifespan, and they didn't. Ha- they don't have a new dedicated handheld. The Switch kind of is both, and obviously the Switch sells enough that they it doesn't necessarily matter. But like, Sai, you're more of like Nintendo. Or you're we're both like Nintendo fans, long time kind of thing. Do you think they would ever do a dedicated handheld, or is this it now? There's I one Nintendo they, system, and it's both. I think they trapped themselves a little bit there. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, for better or for worse, knowingly or otherwise, I'm sure knowingly they must have had a conversation where it's like, because through the Wii U era, especially. Now, Nintendo were kept afloat by the 3DS. Like, that was yep. making the money where the Wii U was crashing, so they were okay because handheld. Same thing with uh, GameCube and the Game Boy Advance, when the mm-hmm. GameCube just sort of ran out of steam, at least the Game Boy Advance, and then the DS was successful. So they've always had handheld to fall back on because they haven't really had much in the way of competition. And yeah, they've True. kind of cannibalized their sort of other option there, <laughs> which is a little it's weird, the, um... but like it's it's worked out, I guess, because it's a hugely successful system. Yeah, and it's like for me, it's weird because like the I have the Nintendo Switch, like the launch. Well, I have the OLED one because I'm head ill and I must get everything. But at the same time, <laughs> I had the regular Switch, and then my wife has the Switch Lite, which has kind of become their handheld, where you can't do any of the motion yeah. control games. But then them like Nintendo themselves moved away from them. There is the Nintendo Switch Sports. They just did that new um, one-two switch follow-up thing, but like hardly anything is gyroscope essential. You don't really need it, so it's almost like Nintendo Switch Lite is the new handheld, fundamentally the new Game Boy type thing. And um, that's maybe like a whole thing where they, maybe they launch out the gate with like a split system approach, kind of like what the other two are doing with Xbox has the Series S, the Series X, PlayStation has the disc or the non-disc version. Yeah. Um, I wonder about stuff like that, but yeah, I think th- I kind of want them to play it safe-ish, but I still want to see what they come up with. Like mm-hmm. Nintendo, when they hit, hit big. But when they miss, they completely whiff it. Like, the Wii was obviously humongous, but, like, that was a console that almost entirely worked on Wii Sports and hardly anything else. Like, it was sold on that. And then the Wii U hardly had any traction at all and almost... I mean, it didn't kill them, but it, it didn't do very well at all. So I think it's hard to make it work again. It's it's a weird one because, you know, we know that Nintendo don't care about hardware like everyone else does. We have mm. this conversation. We don't know how deeply they care about sort of upping the power of the Switch for the Switch 2 and that kind of stuff. So it's... It's a bizarre one because at the same time, you look at something like Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, everyone <laughs> notoriously knows it was a terrible sort of running game, just like things Complete pop mess. in and out, whatever. I enjoyed it for a game, but it was kind of like not up to par with yeah. what it should have been. But people just bought it. It's like the biggest selling Pokemon game ever or whatever. And But people... <sighs> But that says to Nintendo that, you know, hardware is not that important to our audience, clearly, because they're going to dive on the experiences that they want. So in that case, do they continue not to care or do they look outside of the bubble and be like, is it worth us putting the money in these kind of options to bring in more people or is it going to just come back to bite us and we're going to produce a bunch of stuff that sits on a shelf? Yeah, I was trying to think, before we went into this podcast, I was trying to think of Eastern developers or Japanese devs, or well, any Eastern devs, that put as much money into their projects as the average Western dev does. Like, other than Square Enix and Final Fantasy XVI, there's not that many Eastern developers that are that obsessed with visual clarity, visual oomph, prioritizing that, like, cinematic, over-the-top kind of hit. Unless I'm forgetting something obvious, Capcom, I think... maybe? 
Kind of, ca- yeah, Capcom with the RE engine, but like, just, yeah, I guess you got a couple. It's just overall, I feel like the, the Eastern sort of approach to gaming, more sort of specific legacy Japanese devs, um, like the Segas, like Nintendo or whatever, tend to have mm-hmm. a more economic approach. Like, mm-hmm. for the most part, Square Enix do outside of, like, the main Final Fantasy installments. Like, the amount of, um, they literally have Tokyo RPG Factory just putting out smaller, low-budget RPGs and stuff like that. Um, and even some of the, the side quest animations in Final Fantasy 16 are, like, extremely economical. They just fade to black and cut back up and get around right. it that way. So, I'm always just wondering, like, yeah, what's the general mentality at the heart of Nintendo? Do they actually really care that much about visual splendor and trying to chase what is the assumed bar that gaming has to try and hit in the modern day? Or are they quite content putting something out like a Pikmin 4 again in another couple of years? Like, that game's gameplay is gorgeous and awesome, um, but it's, you know, it's not that much of a leap forward compared to even the original Pikmin, if you want to go back about 20-odd years. <laughs> no, it's probably <laughs> not really. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Josh, what do you think about it? I don't think they, I don't think they care about pushing the ball out indoors to because I think the audience, you know, doesn't care. There's nothing wrong with that as long as the games run well. And I think people are appreciative of any kind of fidelity bump that they might get. My issue right now with the Switch is that a lot of the games don't run well. Even something as marquee (laughs) as Tears of the Kingdom, like they managed to get that out in a releasable state and it runs fine. But for me, it doesn't run well, like in terms of the visual popping that you have to deal with, in terms of the frame rate slowdowns that you have to deal with, and kind of like the lack of um, just, I don't know, fidelity kind of across the board. It was really noticeable for me playing through it in a way that it wasn't noticeable playing through Breath of the Wild in 2017. And then, like you've already mentioned, Pokemon and a bunch of other games that have released where just at a glance you can tell that things are being held back that they're working around the limitations of the tech and um, right now so i think that's kind of what i want to see eliminated especially when for people who have more than one machine who are you know playing across xbox and playstation and whatever where the bar has been raised to a point where a lot of things have been normalized like i mentioned at the mm. start like we we kind of expect solid frame rates across the board it doesn't always happen you get a game like star wars jedi survivor that craps the bed but the expectation is there for choice and um stability and that's kind of just what i want to see nintendo hit in in a way mm. that it doesn't feel like they're pulling back their developers because they've landed them with this kind of lesser tech and i use that in quotation marks mm-hmm. yeah yeah josh you said earlier on about like solid state and like instant lack of loading and stuff like that it's so noticeable when you go from playing something on a modern system to going to the switch to play tears of the kingdom going in and out of shrines every time being ground down by a loading screen i'm playing pikmin 4 right now and it's great Same. other than the fact that the loading screens is just like <laughs> a reminder of a time that we should be out of at this point like you we're so spoiled by it on every other system that's it, right the- you know Sorry, I just, just, just uh, to add on to that point, I think it's like, it sounds like it's it probably is nitpicking to an extent, but I loved in Tears of the Kingdom where it had that effect where you could see straight into the shrines. And in my naivete, because I didn't really understand the limitations of the Switch hardware, I assumed that just meant I could walk straight into the it shrine. It would have been so good. Mm. Yeah, and it would have loaded because I've kind of become accustomed, like I said, to that kind of... Um, seamlessness on a PlayStation 5 or an Xbox Series X and when it didn't happen I kind of thought oh that would have been a cool little feature a cool way to connect this massive open world that obviously they was simply impossible due to the machine they were working on but if if say Tears of the Kingdom came out on the next Switch and that was a possibility I thought Mm. I just think that those little touches are kind of what I'm looking for. Yeah, my thing is, I don't... Tears of the Kingdom was like, that effect, for me, kind of worked enough where it was like a bridge between the two because with loading times in particular, like it's... I don't know, it depends how long they go on for. Like, I'm playing through Oxenfree at the minute because I'm like, I want to play through that and then get on to the sequel. And I've tried that game on Switch. It's horrible. The loading times take about half a minute. Like, it's ridiculous. (laughs) I ended up just... And it glitched out and so I ended up restarting it on PlayStation. Um, But that was one of those things where I was like, okay, like the guts of this system, it hasn't been optimized for it. Um, But in terms of Tears of the Kingdom, it's like, that's kind of one of the the questions is like does, does the average person expect loading times to have gone away by now or is that like because not every game is prioritized like final fantasy 16 does it really well you pick any um area and you're in there and like like almost immediately and um, but i don't feel like zero load times has become 
you know, like a, a constant thing across all games. Like I want it to be, but like until it is, I wonder if that'll be something held against Nintendo. There's um, something I was going to throw in as well is like the like dev time for games. Like um, Pokemon Violet and Sapphire felt like it was just churned around. They have that they have that yearly turnaround model, and uh, Violet and Sapphire was um, you know straight after Arceus as well or Arceus, and it was like you could feel it. Like you could really feel that they were just like doing another one. Like Arceus was almost the tech demo to get to the next main installment, and then Arceus ironically ran better anyway. Um, whereas you look at like Super Mario wonder and pikmin 4 and like they are for the most part gorgeous games like pikmin 4 runs really smoothly unless you like you know absolutely cake on like 100 pikmin or something um it's just one of those things where i'm like i don't know if that's a dev time thing and i don't know how much that's a wider industry issue as well um something like you know optimization the ability to actually bug fix and the time to really refine stuff later on you can kind of tell that super mario wonder is still obviously shigeru miyamoto's baby and he was involved in pikmin 4 again so there's no way that those games are going to yeah. fail um but for whatever reason and Tears of the Kingdom was allowed to re- release with a whole bunch of jagged edges and everything. But that's exactly it, isn't it? When you talk about those kind of things with dev time, we go back to the Tears of the Kingdom and Pokemon, they're the perfect examples because you say, Pokemon, they shuffle a new game out every year and they go, mm-hmm. right, this one, onto the next one, onto the next <laughs> one. Onto. And they need to just take a little bit longer. With Tears of the Kingdom, it was like six years of development. And I mm-hmm. didn't really have any noticeable issues with performance, but I'm you know, notoriously a bit more lax on noticing these kind of things compared to some people, but I definitely saw the criticisms of it. And yeah, mm-hmm. one year versus six years, there's still obvious things for some people that mm-hmm. you're right. I think there's it's more of a limitation with the hardware at this point. It's like visuals aren't everything, nor is even performance to a certain extent. Like I don't, when I'm talking about kind of the parity between systems or at least trying to get the next Switch close enough to the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation 5, I don't mean it in terms of um, the next Zelda going head-to-head with The Last of Us Part 3 in terms of technology or anything like that. But Scott, you mentioned earlier about how you use the the Switch as like an indie machine. That's what I did as well for like the longest time and had great success with it between these big AAA releases and exclusives I was playing the likes of Night in the Woods or Detention or Undertale or whatever like a bunch of those indies Mm. on this machine because it just kind of made sense but now because the parity has kind of disintegrated with the release of these other next-gen machines. Like, I have no personal incentive to play those indies on the Switch anymore because, one, I always know I'm going to get a better, more optimized version on the PlayStation 5, for instance. And two, because the release of the PlayStation Plus service and Xbox Game Pass kind of means that a lot of those indies go to those services for free anyway yeah, that's so true. Mm-hmm. those two points are kind of working against it i think that's just a shame because i had such fun playing those indies on the switch and now i kind of don't because it does feel like i'm getting a lesser version even if it is just kind of lower resolution or lower frame rates or increased load times and um, the gap has become too big that mm. i can't i almost can't justify buying it on the switch anymore when i'm you know, actively play it, paying for a, a lesser, again, quotation marks, version of it. Yeah. No, totally. We should talk about third-party stuff in general because one thing I noted down here is that the next generation of Switch or Nintendo or whatever the hell it's going to be will have Call of Duty on it, which was like always one of the biggest sort of conversations across this generation was, like, oh, the Switch can't handle Call of Duty. And like I was always like, well, there's a Call of Duty on PSP. So like it, it's doable. Like, you know, there's one on your phone. Like, it's fine. It's just that obviously it was never targeted. It was like the whole thing in the um, Microsoft Activision acquisition stuff where they just weren't bothered about targeting it as a key platform or whatever the hell the phrasing was. And um, whereas going forward, obviously Xbox... Phil Spencer has said they are going to do something like that. And so, like, that idea of, like, the, the Switch, I mentioned all the third-party stuff before more as an indie thing, but that assumption of, like, feature parity between the bigger third parties, like, you know, the, the Final Fantasies or whatever, like, the idea of trying to get Final Fantasy 16 on Switch right now would be an incredibly cut-down version of it. At least that's the assumption. Um, Final Fantasy 15's version on, on Switch is the portable version. It's the mobile one. Um, and it's like, I wonder if they'd try and get it to at least whatever that bottom rung is, like, the almost the Series S kind of thing where it's like this is like almost like a last gen system but we try and make feature parity with whatever the latest games are i wonder if that's their like the the absolute bottom line but i mean yeah what do you think about how much nintendo needs third party because it's it's always thought of as nintendo in their own little island with their first parties and everything else but i mentioned all the third party stuff before because for the first few years of release they barely had anything apart from breath of the wild and mario odyssey um, and then it, it was the third parties and the indies sort of making that system mm. like recommendable 
And I think, to be fair, they did a really good job with that because at this point, like, the idea of Call of Duty on a Nintendo system seems completely pointless to me. Like, <laughs> does anyone actually want that? Does anyone want to go like, yes, actually, yeah. I will play it on the Switch. That's what I want it on. That Out of all the systems, I will get it for that. It just because I would only absurd. really get it for like the the campaign or something. Like, because I, I was, was going to play on the train, then I can't play multiplayer. So then I want to get it for the campaign, but then I want a big screen. So it's yeah, it's not going to work. Right, and they go, Jack. It's the same what you said, Josh. It's like, well, if I'm sitting at home playing it, I might as well play it on the big screen on my fancy mm. console or whatever. Assuming someone has that, like the the advantage of the Switch at this point when it comes to those things is the the fact that you can take it on the go. That is, is one advantage. Um, and I wonder if it's just, just you know just when like, um, no, just no. <laughs> Like, it's that idea of, like, like, I remember there was a couple of times in, like, 2015 or 2016. Oh, sorry, it would have been 2017, sorry, when the Switch first came out and Rocket League came to the Switch. And uh, at What Culture Towers, at our old office, we came in and a few of us played Rocket League, like, and just on local wireless play. And I'm like, I guess you could do a version of Call of Duty that works like that. I know that, again, they've said they want feature parity with new Call of Duties on the new Switch or the new system, which is a way harder thing to do. Um, I wonder if you just do a stripped-back military shooter that runs like, that just is called Call of Duty and it runs like COD. But I it's suppose. like the... Yeah, like if the dial down like, version, um, an, the yeah, lunch break version. An original entry or some kind of specifically made and tailored experience, mm. then maybe it will work a lot better. But I'm, the way I'm thinking about it is the Call of Duty as it exists now it just seems like an odd fit. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Completely. Yeah. And, it, and it's it's just, that might be me and it might just be that one IP because when I look at some of the third party stuff they have been bringing across, even though it's super like outdated, but bringing Arkham across, I'm like, yeah, sure. Okay, that's mm-hmm. fine. Why not, right? But Call of Duty just seems totally absurd. Unless you're right, it's designed with those kind of face-to-face group experiences in mind rather than going online and playing. Mm-hmm. My Again. issue yeah. with Call of Duty specifically is that that franchise is already on fire from a developmental <laughs> standpoint. You know, obviously yeah. it sticks to this True. annualized release schedule and it takes about 10 Activision Studios to get one of those games over the line these What if we days. put out this fire with more fire? Literally, right? So <laughs> to me, the idea is, I mean, the, the solution to Call of Duty's problem right now isn't to add more platforms it should release on, especially difficult <laughs> ones like, you know, the next Switch would which would need to make all of these concessions isn't just a simple port. You'd have to bear in mind its its limitations. But, you know, slowing down production of Call of Duty, giving the developers an extra year to work in these games, allowing them the time to fully optimize the experience. Maybe if we get to that point, um, then I could see Call of Duty on Switch, you know, being a viable and successful thing. But right now, I think Nintendo's problem isn't actually Nintendo's problem. I think they're totally fair to kind of chase this um 
kind of, I don't know, approach to their tech that doesn't quite sit on the same level as the competition. Like they, they, uh, it's totally in their right, and they might be right to kind of try to keep those costs down, to try to not just chase the next big bump in resolution or whatever. But I think in the third party sense, it's they're kind of hampered because the industry is not of that same mindset like the industry is chasing like the best graphics is chasing the best fidelity and through the games that they're releasing are instilling this idea that consumers are supposed to be looking at graphics are supposed to be looking at fidelity and textures and whatnot and as long as the industry remains that way, I think Nintendo will always lose the fight if they don't go for parity, uh, just because we've been trained as consumers to look at, you know, a slightly um, lower grade version of a game as kind of inherently worse. So it's, yeah. it, it kind of sucks. It's like a catch-22 because I, I love that they are kind of eschewing the idea that everything needs to be this high budget high fidelity thing but at the same time same. i don't think they're ever going to win on that terms because everyone else has kind of monopolized that yeah. being the norm mm. i tell you the thing is on the switch like you we talked about gimmicks and stuff before like the nintendo switch when it launched was like they had the hd rumble where it would make it feel as if there were like three or four objects <laughs> inside the that. controller <laughs> they had the hd rumble they had the ir sensor so you can read a heart rate which the ring fit still does and um, it's the ir sensor on the bottom of the mm. left joy con can read your heart rate um, and there was obviously there was the detachable Joy-Cons and the gyroscopes and stuff. I like, in theory, the idea of doing a Call of Duty that takes advantage of that stuff. Like if you do the most intense multiplayer match and it's reading your heart rate at the end or yeah. something, and then that maybe you get a score based on, I don't know, like how, uh, how into it you were or something. Or you're aiming with the gyroscopes and you're measuring your heart rate. Or maybe you're trying to hide from a character or something. You make too much noise. I don't know. Things that they could take advantage of that I always feel like at the start of each generation, most of the companies, and Sony got in on this with the PS4, where it was like, here's the touchpad, here's the LED uh, light on the the top we've got all the gyroscopes and everything else which is obviously in the six axis but they kind of faded it out um go forth and make stuff with this and obviously if the first parties don't take advantage of it then it all just kind of falls away and we end up just getting like the third party parity thing instead that like they can't devote the uh dev time to doing something more unique with it but i wonder if i wouldn't i would like the idea of like you're trying to make these things work and make them separate on the nintendo system that you take advantage of that stuff and have fun with it um but it's it's hard because then that maybe makes it feel like a kidified version of the big the big brother system or whatever it is i think the one kind of angle they do have going for themselves and it's a great angle is that like i said you know microsoft and sony aren't necessarily interested in creating their own handhelds they might have streaming systems that you Mm. know allow you to get a version of a game but nintendo can come out and say well yeah we've got the next call of duty you can play the campaign handheld you can play the next arkham game handheld you know what i mean and that is a real viable option and a real alternative because if you're playing handheld anyway you're already expecting a hit in terms of the performance yeah. and the graphics mm-hmm. you know what i mean so it matters less than playing those games docked i think anyway Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And um, we should talk about like first party stuff because I mentioned it before about like, and we talk about optimization and things like that. What would make you buy the new system straight away? Because it was the conversation back in 2017 when the system launched. Obviously, it launched Breath of the Wild, even though that was on Wii U. And then Mario Odyssey came later. But there was such a conversation at the time for a good sort of four or five months that the Switch doesn't have anything on it. Yeah. Um, and there were like, you know, like I said, there was recommendable indies. There were nice little portable games that were on there. Um, but it didn't have that big, oh my God. Well, it did and it didn't. It had Breath of the Wild, but you can argue it was a Wii U game. Um, it's that thing of like, yeah, what do they try and launch with? One of the rumors doing the rounds is that they do have the next main 3D Mario ready, um, which throws me off because I'm like, you guys are doing Mario Wonder this year and they've never done like two big new Mario games like one year after another. They'll still sell. It's still Nintendo and Mario, but it's just, it's interesting doing Mario Wonder, I guess, to sort of sunset the Switch and then you do the next main Mario and that sets off the whole new generation. But uh, in terms of their IP, they haven't got that many uh, boxes left to tick unless they finally do Metro Prime 4 and that's like a launch title or maybe that's what it was being made for all along or something um, or you do a new Star Fox or something I don't think there's that many first parties that are sort of you know yet to do unless they have a brand new thing a new IP yeah, yeah it's it's funny actually sort of thinking about early days of the Switch is exactly that it's what I remember mm. I didn't get it on launch because I was one of the you know three people in the world that played Breath of the Wild on Wii U. Right, um, <laughs> you had a better inventory system. That thing was made for the tablet. It's true, doing it's all true. the weird D-pad stuff on the uh, sure. Switch. Yeah. Um, and then after that, what I do remember, and it's funny what you say about two Mario's, and this is kind of you know arguable. I seem to remember Mario and Rabbids launched 
uh, the same year oh. as Mario Odyssey. But I mean, that's slightly different. I was going to say, there's, there's always something Mario every year. There's yeah. always like Mario Golf, Mario Aces, whatever it is. There's always something Mario. It's just that I, as far as I know, they've never done like the next main one and then oh, the absolutely. next main one yeah. straight away. There's always been like a couple of years or a re-release or something to sort mm-hmm. of space them out. Usually they're bigger deals. It was um, it was yeah. Odyssey was the reason that I wanted to, I was like, now I have to have it. Like, I can't mm. put it off any longer. I remember getting Mario and Rabbids first. That's what made it come to mind. But mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think Metroid Prime 4 is very likely a launch title or maybe it's on both That'd systems cool. or whatever uh, but yeah I would love a surprise and I don't <laughs> want that surprise to be Arms 2 that would be a bit silly. oh god legs <laughs> the sequel yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah <legs>. I'm telling <laughs> you it's Flashing my F0 idea from the UVP a few weeks do ago do F0 for the love of god if they open get world F0 let's do it yeah, if they've got a new system that can do like 4K, <laughs> 60 FPS, whatever, do the new F Zero. That's one of the only things they haven't done a follow up to in forever. And like, also, I mean, yeah, slightly weird, but like if they are going there of trying to attract a wider audience with third party stuff, that's the kind of first party IP that could pull people in because it's got a different vibe, mm-hmm. it's got a different tone, it can be not adult, but it's not kiddie, you know, it's a bit of a yeah. broader thing. So maybe that's a good sort of statement of intent. Do, do you know Star Fox Adventure? Obviously that thing was a complete mess of development. That do game. that, <laughs> but with Captain Falcon, and then you get to race when you get to the different yeah. uh, cities and stuff. Do Can't something like that. Josh, what do you want on your Nintendo wish list? Well, here's the thing. When I bought a Nintendo Switch, I had never played a Zelda, and I'd never really played a 3D Mario. So the reason mm. I got that console was because everyone <laughs> on the one shaking hand, head. <laughs> Mine just exploded. I, al- I almost said you still haven't, but carry on. Oh, I would <laughs> kill you. Oh. There'd be a murder happening live on this podcast <laughs> if you did that. Um... Yeah, so obviously I I got the console because everyone not only were raving about those installments, but Breath of the Wild obviously was being heralded as a game that revolutionized an entire genre. So with the Switch 2, I'm not asking for much. I'm just asking for games that are going to redefine how I view games. You know what I mean? That's all I want. (laughs) doesn't matter what um, franchise it is because I have no familiarity with any of them. As long as the games, the first party games, are of a high quality and people are raving about them, that will be enough to get me in. Like, I just want an excuse to play Metroid. I want an excuse to play Star Fox or whatever it is. These franchises I've heard so much about but need a jumping in point. And it just so happened that Odyssey, uh, Mario Brothers Odyssey and then um, Breath of the Wild were those perfect jumping on points for a newcomer like me, and I kind of want that again. That said, I will take whatever the next 3D Mario is as a launch game. I will take the next Mario Kart, if they do have one in development, as a Mm. launch game. Something that, as a casual, I'm familiar with and is kind of bankable, I guess, because, you know, even if the next Mario Kart sucks, I will play it. I need to play that game. So something like that would get me in, definitely. Yeah. Like I said, it's been so long. I'm trying to think of stuff they haven't done for a while, but we mentioned this on one of the other podcasts, but yeah, the idea of them coming back in with the new Mario Kart and maybe calling it something definitive, like whatever this new system's called, maybe you just call it Mario Kart, whatever that is. Um, and it just is the new like landmark thing because I feel like that's one of the only um, complete world demanding franchises right now that like the amount of success that Mario Kart 8 has had maybe you can just launch a system off just the next one of them and you don't need much else um, I personally want Star Fox I, just, I, I don't know if that franchise is too old or whatever they tried it one on the Wii U and it was terrible um, and it's one of those things where like, it's very on rails anyway but I think there's a cool way to modernize that stuff um, you can bring in the roguelike elements from Star Fox 2 that thing was like 20 years ahead of its time like there's stuff that you could do with that that i think would be really really cool um but i guess we'll see another part of the uh, leak that's doing the rounds is uh, the approach to backwards compatibility various different write-ups on this talk about how the next system is a clean break from a nintendo switch and it won't have backwards compatibility and obviously already that's a big talking point because people have their switch libraries and everything else right now i can't tell whether people are just referring to physical backwards compatibility which is something i would expect a lot less and um, i don't necessarily expect the new system to take the same cartridges that i have right now um but i think it would be I don't know insanity if it doesn't support downloadable versions of it but I don't know where each of you comes down on that I need it I need extensive (laughs) backwards compatibility I foolishly bought a switch in part because I thought it was going to have all of the legacy stuff on it like the Mm. Wii U did if I recall correctly oh a lot of people didn't totally yeah Mm. absolutely man and it took them so long to start putting those older games on the machine obviously they Mm. kind of they've, they've got a lot of those games now but it still could be better in my opinion I, again, as I keep saying, as someone who wants to get into Nintendo but keeps getting 
hit with all of these barriers, want some kind of legacy library there at launch. It doesn't have to be, like, complete, but give me all of the classics. Give me a bunch of games that people have been recommended me for a long time. Give me them upscaled in a way. I think this is an area that um, Sony is missing out on. They have so many great games that are locked to the PlayStation 1 that, you know, we talk about all the time, but people just can't play. Xbox are better with it, and the reason that I, well, part of the reason I champion Game Pass is because they have a bunch of original Xbox games on there that you can jump into and play, and Nintendo have that now, but I kind of want to see that be transferred over to the Switch 2, and for, for them to kind of double down on it with not only that kind of backwards compatibility in its most basic form but also with remasters and remakes and whatnot i was just gonna just to throw in quickly here i almost said that before sorry i almost cut you off i didn't mean to was um yeah they had the whole virtual console thing and then it all restarted when the switch kicked in and now it became the nintendo switch online thing and we all had to buy them all one by one by one that's one of the things to throw in here is that do they just restart that service again i don't think so and i hope not um because what you're describing josh is mostly what they've got now it's not like obviously it's nowhere near as as, uh, expansive as the virtual console was um especially in terms of things like game boy advance games or older games but um you do for the most part have the classics they just added oracle of ages and oracle of seasons on there from the original game boy so like and they're all just they're upscaled enough to to me they totally work they're nice in hd and everything but yeah Sai, what do you think like they've had this weird approach to their own legacy where they've monetized us twice for it now i can't do it again scott (laughs) (laughs) if they reset it again i'm gonna lose my mind (laughs) like it's all people in sort of like nintendo communities have been complaining about since started they're like here's the online service that you pay for to get all these access to all these games from 30 years ago that you've already (laughs) bought multiple times on the systems that you're in your cupboard now because you don't use them it's just like i just yeah just bring that right over as it is as you say build upon it build upon it fast make it free like that's an advertising point of the new system it's like as soon as you get online you have instant access to all of these games straight away like Mm -hmm. stuff like that just and in terms of wider backwards compatibility yes like that is something that absolutely needs to be brought forward from the other consoles in sort of like the way that xbox talked about recently about people with their digital libraries that all just Mm. needs to be an expected part and nintendo in fairness now they do have like your nintendo account which is attached to your Switch and your 3DS mm-hmm. and whatever. Like, it's very easy to just slap your next console under that same account and have access to all of those games. If you're going to do that, though, you need to do physical as well. You yeah. absolutely, I can. It's not. It can't be that hard. And if you can't do it, don't release a console. I don't care. <laughs> I've always felt this way about backwards compatibility. I hate any hard line on it because. Right. And we talked about this a few weeks ago where we talked about video game preservation. This is what kills it. It's like, oh, oh, yeah, you, you can't play these on new systems, so all the old systems die and stuff like that. It's just, yeah, it's no, no. Put a second cartridge slot in if you need to. It's Or just something that, like, you know, you put the, the cartridge in or whatever. It we don't know what a Nando card it. looks like, so <laughs> it <laughs> yeah, might be na- different shape, thing. but yes. The Nandy card. Yeah, something that would, like, at least recognize the old cartridge and give you a new version of it or a download. Like what the Xbox 360 used to do with their installation stuff. But, um, yeah, I feel like they need to, for as much as they talk about their own legacy, and they've kind of found it. We've all just put up with it. They did all the Nintendo Switch Online stuff and then resold you those same games. Um, and then, like you just said, like, they had them in my Nintendo account, so they've unified it a little bit. You would assume that that's their, like, the way forward now. Um, but it's just knowing that Nintendo are Nintendo and they could do a version of this. Because um, I, I, to be fair, I quite like the approach they had when they first launched the Switch Online, where it was like you get a couple of games a week, a couple of games a month, um, and they added new features to them. Like Mario 64, I'm pretty sure you can play online. They added other sort of online leaderboards and stuff, and then they cycle a couple of games out every sort of few weeks. Mm. And I quite like that as a way to encourage people. Like, don't worry about playing 50 classics all at once. You'll get a curated selection every sort of few weeks. It was just that at the beginning they weren't nailing those games, and then when by the time Mario 64 came around, it was amongst the rest of the N64 stuff. Mm. And it's like if they did, um, you know, a GameCube collection now, then it still wouldn't, you know, it might be the curated thing. But it's one of those things where, like, how do you encourage people to actually bother playing yeah. those old games? It, I, I know it's different. Sorry, Josh. As I say, I know it's different because on the Wii U, you could pay for it. So it's a mm. kind of different situation. But, like, it, if you were there then and you've come to where you are now, it feels like such a huge step down because there was, like, Turbo Graphics and Wonder Swan yeah. games and every Mega Man game and stuff like that. And it's just, <laughs> we've got, like, five percent of what was on the wii store and we're at the end of the switch lifespan now basically it's it's, mm-hmm. it's 
Which I always assume was them going like, well, we're going to pull this all the way back and then plan for like another 20 years or 30 years of doing this because we gave people way too much stuff and we can no. monetize way more. If they more make a big forward. deal about you can subscribe and get the, you know, the six games to start with again, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> well, you know, it's just super quick. Sorry, I know you're trying to talk to us, but you know the bit when, um, when they added the Sega collection, like they, they've already done like a tiered like publisher based add on to yeah. the Switch Online yeah. thing. So I, I honestly wouldn't put it past them Awful. to just do something like that. <laughs> I think the one thing I genuinely hate about Nintendo is uh, their approach to artificial scarcity across the board. Yeah. Like yeah. Putting out that Mario collection for a few months and then pulling it off shelves is just crazy <laughs> to me. As an outsider, I always looked at that stuff thinking, you were all crazy for accepting this. Like, how would you just oh, when, think when? this is... Disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> it's normal. I'm like, what's going on? And then I got a Switch, and then I was like, this is just normal. This is just what they do. I'm going to have to accept this, <laughs> which absolutely sucks. Uh, I called think, it Nintendo. Yeah. I think, you know, they'll always get away with it if they really want to. They can push their look as much as they want, and they can get the backlash. They can weather the storm, and then they can charge people for the same Zeldas they've been charging them for for 20 years. <laughs> but I do think that they'll have a harder time than usual well, if this is indeed like a Switch 2, if it is a successor that kind of looks like the regular Switch that follows on and iterates on the Switch, because I don't know how they can then draw the hard line of, well, we're resetting everything. It's a, it's a continuation, but it's also not, and you're going to have to yeah. give us more money for it. Like, I think that the optics of that, the the marketing of that is going to be more difficult than if it was something brand new with a brand new gimmick where they can kind of... I don't think it's right, but they can fall back on um, the argument that, well, oh, the guts is completely different. We're going to have to go in. It's our R&D. We're going to have to completely change things. I don't think they can make that argument or construct that narrative if it is a Switch 2. I think they they pushed the whole what can we get away with thing right that that thing with the the, the digital forced digital scarcity of the Mario trilogy thing that was to me one of the most egregious let's just see what you'll put up with let's push it right to the edge of what the of what everyone will um you know deem acceptable or whatever and everyone hated it but we still bought it and it's like I, I just it's one of those things where I talked about it on a different podcast, but like I feel like so much of Nintendo is obviously very closely guarded by the people who have been there the longest. Like Shigeru Miyamoto, they just they brought in Doug Bowser at the minute, who's one of the other sort of figureheads and faces of the company. But God help us dealing with a Nintendo that doesn't have those legacy people who helped keep... Because I don't even know what business machinations are being held back if those are the things that are getting through. Um, it's just one of those things where I, I wonder what the future of Nintendo would be if um, if you had a digital scarcity thing every other month mm. um, and they rotate it through that way. Um, let's do final thoughts. Si, like what's your ultimate thing that you want? Do you actually want a new Nintendo system? What's your general thoughts on <laughs> where they're at and where the Switch is at? I think we've landed on it, actually. It's just like <laughs> availability of all those classics and backwards compatibility, as I say. I got a little bit heated there, so I think that kind of says... <laughs> I, think, I think that says it all, really. I think... It's almost like one of those things where you shouldn't pat them on the head for it, but it's such an easy goal for them to be like, everything's available at launch. Everything that yeah. was on the Switch store is available. Like It just carries right over. It's just a more powerful Switch. It's, that's all I need. More powerful Switch. This one has exclusive games, but everything you've still got, you can play on it. Transfer over your, to the new console at your own sort of leisure. Mm -hmm. And by the way, here's every other Mega Man game we forgot to put on the thing. You know, something <laughs> like that. Just go crazy with that. Like that's the thing that Nintendo has over the other consoles and always had a little bit is those legacy titles. They've been around longer, but also there's yeah. just something about you know their older games, especially because it's all first party stuff for the most part. You know, um, they really just need to be like, here's all the classics. Look at this museum we have on our console yeah. that you have access to for people that might be coming to Nintendo for the first time. As you say, because like the Switch was just was not up to the task for that. No, I think they're a bit scared of doing all that at once because then they don't know what they would do for the next gener generation of systems. <laughs> That's not or, my problem. What, well, exactly. <laughs> they, they sort of did it with the virtual console, and then we're oh, we've been too good. Let's pull half of this stuff <laughs> yeah. back, and we'll sell it to you later. Josh, what do you what do you think about Nintendo in general? Yeah, I agree. Give it the uh, Super Mario Brothers Smash Ultimate kind of treatment. Just be like, this <laughs> yes. is the console with everything on, and then you know they might not do a handheld um, console hybrid next so then they'll get their excuse back of well we did that for the switch too and now we gotta start again sorry here's where we make you pay for everything again and um, yeah i want to see that kind of backwards compatibility will I, do i think they'll do it no do i want it yes um i don't necessarily need a technological 
um, upgrade to the point where it is competing with the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation 5 in terms of its exclusives, but I would like to see parity at least for those smaller indie games so I can re-embrace the next, which is my indie machine. I want that um, at least in, in that respect. And yeah, I just want to see more first-party titles that you know make me want to be a Nintendo fan. And whatever that is, mm. I don't even mind as long as they're really good, they're original, and they manage to maintain the same level of creativity that I think they have achieved on the Switch, even in terms of games that I haven't played, like the most recent Kirby, which everyone seemed to love, and I just kind of love that that's there. So good. Yeah. (laughs) I want a new IP. I know it's only been eight years since Platoon, but the last new IP before that, as far as I remember, was Pikmin, and that was 2001. So it's like they really spaced their time out. Yeah. Like I mean, as I say, I, don't I think mentioned they had Arms. Any... That is probably the most recent. They had Arms. Sorry, yeah, they did. They totally like, launched Arms. It's that happened, that came out and just everyone just stopped talking about it instantly. So yeah, and everyone was just like, just give us a new Punch Out. Like if you're just going to do Arms, <laughs> yeah. you might as well just do Punch Out. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where I just, I want a new IP. I kind of want to mm. see how they approach making a new IP for a potentially more matured audience because everyone talks about how the average Nintendo fan is in like their early to late thirties at this point, if not even older. And it's one of those things where like, do you then make a character? that is or a world or whatever that is a bit more mature they've never really done that from the ground up especially not first party um i'm just curious about that i don't necessarily want that i love mario i love the kirby's and everything but i'm just curious what if they ever really acknowledge that they've always kind of just been the all ages the pixar um approach to gaming and everything and i just want to see them do a new ip again because i adore splatoon but like i said it's almost a decade old anyway and it's that thing of like can they get by with another a new installment in each of those legacy franchises again another kirby another zelda another mario or do they do something else um i that's what I kind of want to see. And I want them to build something first party that takes full advantage of the new system and then just whatever that is. Um, I would still love like, you know, a new F-Zero. Um, just like I said, Star Fox is my main one. I would love that. But I just, I want new stuff as always. And I want to know what Nintendo does um, when they're given the, the new generation clean slate kind of thing. What I want is the next Resident <coughs> Evil game to be on the next Switch and for them to bring back the motion controlled aiming that was in Resident Ooh. Evil 4. And then I would buy it day one. So just do that, <laughs> please. As yep. long as they actually have working controllers this time, like the Joy-Con, if you're holding it like that, your thumb's in the way or True. whatever, and it I just mean, couldn't track it at all. Yeah, that's just a but, general good thing to ask for, isn't it? Joy-Con just working work, hardware. You know? <laughs> yeah, that might be nice as a, uh, an all-round goal. Um, but yeah, for now, this has been the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Sly White. Bye. And joined by Josh Brown. Goodbye. And we'll catch you all next time. See ya. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.